Welcome to Beyond the Show, the interview podcast that brings the educational experience of Cannabis Conference to the airwaves. My name is Eric Sandy, and I'm the digital editor of Cannabis Conference and Cannabis Dispensary. In this series, we're excited to highlight the world-class operators who will be speaking at the event next month, August 24th and 26th in Las Vegas. You can learn more about the show at CannabisConference.com, and you can go beyond the show by subscribing to this podcast. Today, we're talking with Lilac Mazor Power, the founder and CEO of Giving Tree Dispensary in Arizona. Lilac has served about 10 years in the cannabis space with a focus on R&D and retail. Since establishing Giving Tree in 2013, she has placed a strong emphasis on corporate citizenship, raising more than $100,000 for charity. Beyond her executive leadership, Lilac is a brand builder with an intuitive understanding of market trends, something we get into in this interview. She has formulated multiple product lines, including lifestyle brand Kindred. Lilac is an Arizona Dispensary Association board member, and among other titles, is the proud mother of two. At Cannabis Conference, she will be speaking on the all-access panel, Expand Your Medical Dispensary to Adult Use, What You Need to Know. And that's what she and I talked about in this interview, and much more. So please enjoy my conversation with Lilac Mazor Power. I figured I'd begin maybe by rewinding the clock just a little bit to last November and the election in 2020, uh, which of course brought about the transition from medical to adult use in Arizona. And um, just wanted to get a sense from you of, of what that was like in whether it was that night or in the coming days, just from a business perspective, what it was like to realize that this switch was, was really going to happen. Yes. So I think we knew that there is a good chance it's going to happen. We thought Arizona is going to legalize this time. We saw the surveys and how the public opinion have shifted here. Um, So we knew there is a big chance. Last time in 2016, we were right at that 50-50. So we were hopeful, but knew it's probably not going to pass. So this time... Even going into the election night, um, we knew that there's a a greater chance that this is going to pass. Um, Watching it and getting all the text messages and the celebrations from, you know, people in the industry, the employees and my friends from all over the world really has, was really one of the best nights. It was very exciting to see how many people are celebrating this. Yeah, um, you know, I know that Arizona as a as a state did sort of turn around pretty quickly in the in the weeks to follow. Um, did you have a sense that, that was going to happen? That that timeline would be accelerated from the election into early twenty twenty one, just in terms of the licensing process? Absolutely, no clue. <laughs> this <laughs> completely surprised us. Um, you know, we thought it's going to be like any other state, maybe a little bit accelerated in, in Arizona, but I had like a five to seven months plan in my head, thinking that is probably a good time for turnaround to get these licenses, you know, to become um, recreational as well. 60 days, that's really unheard of. I don't know another state that have done it. I did not see it coming until a couple of weeks before people started saying, I think it's just going to be 
a quick online application that what you know will make us like flip the switch and we were all talking to each other like the the owners and the in the industry and we said no way that's not going to be it right because <laughs> we were all waiting on packaging and automation and the machines and hiring there was so much to do that um to be honest we were not ready um but here it is it happened yeah, and I, I wanted to get into some of the, the mechanics of that transition and, and some of the things that, that need to happen uh, for any business, but certainly for the giving tree dispensary when, when making the, the move into adult use. But um, maybe before getting into that, uh, could you sort of set the stage uh, and sort of give us a quick biographical sketch of the giving tree dispensary? I, I know it's been around for a number of years at this point, um, but just for especially listeners outside of Arizona, um, just what some of the what the guiding visions behind the business have been. Yes, absolutely. So yes, we have been a while uh, in an industry for a while. Um, got into the industry in 2011 and then opened our doors in 2013. So we've been in operation over eight years. Um, we are vertically integrated, which means we cultivate, we extract, manufacture, um, we have a retail dispensary, and then we also wholesale our own brands. So we are, we kind of do it all. Um, at this point, we have 61 employees, and we keep on growing. And for us, you know, as a single store in Arizona, there's not many of us left, um, especially being a women-owned dispensary or a license holder in Arizona. There's no other... Um, license holder that is majority owned by a woman. So we're very different. And that is kind of our guiding, um, you know, our guideline. We are unique and we want to stay this way. We really create an environment that is welcoming to employees that care about cannabis and wants to be a part of it and have that built in passion to what we're doing, not just because there's a you know, financial opportunity in this, but really because they feel passionate about the industry and what we can do um, to grow this this industry and the market and how many people can benefit from the use of cannabis. We are a big give back to our community. So we do many, many charities um, throughout the year. June was our strain bowl, which was seven strains that we sold and we created a rainbow with it, which was um, in collaboration with uh, Phoenix Pride. So definitely finding uh, different organizations that we feel strongly about and collaborate with them and do um, fundraising for them. Um, other than that, we have two brands that are in the, the market in Arizona, Kindred Cannabis, which is a capsule brand. We're about 50% of the stores here in Arizona. It's the number one capsule maker. And then Catatonic, which is a THCA um, brand. It's a small batch uh, production. So we are in about 10 stores, 10% of the market. And continue to develop brands and have a store that has a personal shopping experience instead of a, a chain store. And hopefully more and more people would understand the whole uh, personal experience that we can give as a small business versus others. 
Absolutely. And uh, I'll, I'll circle back to um, those brands in a moment, but I think that that point right there about the personal shopping experience is an important one. Uh, obviously, um, just when you're thinking about patients and customers and two different types of markets, uh, that's an important thing. But also, I know that uh, at the start of this year, you were in the process of uh, setting up a new retail location and making a move. Uh, so could you maybe talk a bit about that and how that also played into just the, the accelerated timeline that you were facing at the start of 2021? Yes, I wish, I wish it was one of those stories of, um, yeah, it surprised us, but we did great. Um, this was definitely a challenge. So we worked on moving our dispensary, which was an industrial area to a retail area about, I want to say two years. And by the time we got the right location and zoning and um, get a variant from the city and that whole process that comes with Arizona zoning, um, we were building and realized we're going to open in January. Now I thought, what a great timing, right? We're going to have three months of what I would call soft, soft opening to get ready and used to our new store and have a little bit more traffic because it's a better retail location and kind of, you know, get our shit together. <laughs> but um, what happened was in real life is we were planning to move on a Monday. So close our current store on a Saturday, have Sunday off, reopen on a Monday in the new location. And that Friday, um, the health department announced over media that here are the licenses that got approved for recreational sales. So we were, we found ourselves saying um, no to a lot of customers that um, wanted to just come and buy on the first day and we were not set up for it. Close the next day, reopen on a Monday and then 48 hours later, open for adult use. So, you know, three times more the business that we were used to doing um, over 72 hours. <laughs> it was, um, wow. it was definitely challenging. All of us were on the floor working. I mean, I was a cashier for the first week. This is, this will hands on hiring as many people as possible, as quick as possible to make sure that we can serve our customers. The flow is completely different than our old store. So there were many, many challenges. And um, it, it was, we had, we questioned what we're doing for a little there, but somehow mm -hmm. two weeks in, um, it all clicked. And the flow is amazing. The experience is amazing. We really created a place that people could come and hang out and chat and talk and, you know, create a welcoming environment that now we see what we created and how fun it is and how people come to really hang out with our uh, salespeople or just with each other and bring their mom and sit around and show them the displays and it, it was all worth it. But uh, the switch and how it happened, that was not smooth at all. Well, I know that uh, in a, in well, pretty much every state that's made this transition, you know, one of the early um, just uh, facts of the matter is the question of supply and demand. Uh, obviously, the the demand increases very rapidly as as new customers are able to enter the market, and supply does take a little bit to catch up. 
With Arizona, of course, you're on an accelerated timeline. So uh, early on, uh, especially as a vertically integrated company, what are some of the ways that you are navigating that supply and demand curve uh, in those maybe first couple weeks? Yes. Uh, so in Arizona, part of the issues, I mean, except for the accelerated timeline, was the fact that they also changed the testing requirements in November. And a lot of the testing labs that we used were not certified at that point to test. They could, but they were not certified. So there was a serious bottleneck with our testing. Some of it took 10 weeks to get testing results. So I can tell you as a brand um, that sells into um, on a wholesale level, we were not ready. <laughs> Again, we, um, our testing didn't come back on time and our packaging was, you know, on a ship from China and from Oregon and our suppliers were trying to keep up and we were, our supply was very, very low, which created um, an issue for us as a brand. On the store side, as we purchased from many, many other brands, it was very interesting. Usually to get into the Giving Tree store, there's a process and we vet very, very um, clearly on who, what brands we're going to carry and what products and what's our standards and how do we make sure that everything on, on our shelf is up to our standards. And what happened was we got to the point in the end of January that all we said is, do you have product? Check. Is it tested? Check. We'll take it. <laughs> and that was Very it. Good. So we had a poppery of whatever brands could supply what we need for the stores um, just to be able to keep up. There was no fitting process. Now, at this point, you know, five months in, four months in, it became more regulated and we're back to where we were. But in the beginning, it was just you know, a grab war, anyone that could deliver to us product with testing um, that fits the adult use market uh, regulations, we, we took it. So we didn't have a lot of, you know, significant um, uh, product, you know, uh, shortage, but we had to cover it. If you're used to one brand, you might not get it the next time you come to our store because it's, whoever was able to bring that same edible dosage or style into our shelves is what, what you got the next time. But versus other states, when I look at Illinois or when I look at, you know, what other states have gone through and the, you know, year shortage and no flour and stores closing, we did not see that in Arizona. And I think it's because we have a pretty good market here with, large girls, many brands that came in here and we have been in the business for this long that we're a little bit more of a mature market versus others that flipped into recreational, um, you know, use very quickly. Right. Yeah. And there's certainly been uh, just a number of, of years of getting to know uh, the patients that you were serving and their interests, their their demands um, in the marketplace. Uh, you know, I'm curious uh, as as the adult use market has settled into place in Arizona, are you seeing similar 
customer profiles, uh, similar products that they're looking for, or is there almost a, a different type of customer coming into to stores now after the transition? Um, so there is a difference for sure. First of all, spending habits, um, the adult use customer, you know, on average spends $60 versus $100 for a medical um, patient. So spending habits, first of all, are different and how often they come to the store. Uh, for an adult use, it's more of a, I'll come twice a week whenever I need it. It's, it's, a, it's an experience. But we also see flour is king and it was king before, but now we're at 55% of our sales is flour and then pre-rolls are, is a growing market with the adult use. I don't think a lot of them want to actually roll their own. So that's becoming bigger and bigger. And what I, we have seen is a lot more of the, um, not as much as I'm, I need the highest THC possible, but more by daily lifestyle use. So a lot of um, health conscious customers that wants to sleep better or wants to relax or, you know, want to um, help them jogging. You know, there's so many different things that people are coming for at the store that we're seeing a lot more lower milligram THC level, more microdosing, more lifestyle behavior instead of, um, you know, a medical that needs mostly higher dosage or um, higher THC or the, the 20% of either adult use or recreation um, or medical that needs uh, the highest high. So we're seeing more diverse um, use of cannabis. Yeah. And uh, just sort of going back to that idea of the personal shopping experience uh, that you and the team have created at the Giving Tree Dispensary, uh, what are some of the ways that um, that maybe staff training has changed or some of the ways that your staff engages those different types of questions that customers might be bringing in this year? So it really starts with our hiring process. Um, you know, we're not a fit for everyone and not everyone is a fit for us. We want to attract people that are passionate about cannabis and about the different ways that people can use cannabis. So when we hire people, we definitely make sure that they fit our culture and our values. And what we make sure we tell them, yes, this is a retail store. Sales are important, but let's not upsell. Let's make sure we create those raving fans that they will tell other people that we treated them like a friend because we know their name and we know about what's going on in their life. And we make sure that what we match for them uh, in the cannabis world really fits their lifestyle and their needs. And they come back to us and they send other people to us because of that. And that is how we will increase our customer base. It's really word to mouth, uh, raving fans mentality. And I think that's a lot of what other stores don't focus on. So it's more of a long-term game for us. But I think as we see, it really does play off um, for us, especially now with adult use. It's so many people are just so new to cannabis and don't know. And we take our time to sit with them or with their um, neighbor or their mother and um, make sure that 
what we recommend to them is what we think is right, not what there's a kickback from the vendor or there's a sell today or we just want to upsell it to them. It's really what we think is right for them. And people are noticing it and they're sending people to us and they are loyal to our sales team for that. Absolutely. Um, just uh, as this year has gone and as Arizona's regulations have, have come into place, uh, I'm curious, is there still um, essentially a medical market alongside the adult use market there? Yes, absolutely. Um, is it shrinking? Yes. At this point at our store, a third of our, um, you know, our customers are medical. So it's already the minority. It's already the 35% of the people we see. But I also think that the way I see it, um, even with adult use, not everyone has a medical card, but a lot of people are using it for wellness or medical reasons. So a person that can't sleep and needs to take Ambien every night and not switching to a cannabis capsule, is that an adult use or is that medical? Just because they pay taxes that are adult use doesn't mean that they're not using it for medical reason. Same thing for anxiety, same thing for migraines. So many people now have the opportunity to just walk in and try cannabis for so many different reasons, which we didn't have before. So on database, um, our medical patients are a third of um, our customers, but on how many people are using cannabis for medical benefits or wellness benefits, I think it's probably going to be 70%. Mm. Um, and I know we're mainly talking about retail here, uh, which of course is the uh, the focus of the session at Cannabis Conference, um, but I'm curious if you could sort of touch on how this transition has also just affected the the vertical as a whole. Uh, meaning, you know, you've got your uh, you're switching up the way you're engaging customers on the retail floor and in, in the new the new retail location. Uh, but further further upstream, uh, whether it's cultivation or extraction and manufacturing, uh, have there been a lot of changes there to accommodate new uh, customer demands? Yes, absolutely. So um, on our extraction manufacturing side, we are expanding, we're under construction, we're expanding the, our current lab is 800 square feet and we're growing into 3,500. So four times more in terms of size, more people, um, automation. So really buying a capsule machine to be able to do so much more than our current capacity teaming up with other larger manufacturers that can supply us with um, flour or oil is um, something that we are working on to really catch up on that demand. Cause I feel like we keep on chasing it and we're not, we never have any access in inventory, which is a good place to be of course, but we want to be able to, you know, expand our market and not just chase our current one. Um, that is there. And then in the packaging arena, hired a lot more people to be able to package so much more of our product and our flour. We used to wholesale part of what we grew um, on the cultivation side. And now a hundred percent of it is sold at our own store. And then we're also 
purchasing um, flour from other vendors. And uh, we're expanding our grow and changing some of our methods to be able to kind of flip the rooms to get more harvest per year. So there's a lot going on. This is definitely a, a roller coaster of a year, very expensive in terms of what we need to put into the retail store and our expansion on the production store and hiring. But it's all very positive because the growth of the company is significant. Absolutely. Um, well, with all that in mind, I did want to just circle back briefly to uh, the brands that you had mentioned and just brand development in general. Uh, it's, it's one of those things that does get talked a lot about in the industry uh, more and more as time goes on. And, and so with that, that switch from, from medical to adult use, just curious um, if you could talk a bit about the importance of having those sort of recognizable brands and communicating those brands to a new batch of customers. Yes. So I think when we talked about the adult use customer, part of it is the adult use, a lot of them, people that are not familiar, especially, which is a lot, a lot of the customer base, they come in and they don't ask for any kind of sativa or a certain strain. They are asking for, can you get me something that they name the effect, right? If it's relaxing or sleeping or um, pain or um, giggly, right? It doesn't matter what it is. They really don't name the product or the strain. They name the, the effect that they're trying to achieve. And I think that's what brands can do for you. If we're talking about um, a microdose capsule that is, you know, no sugar in it, no calories that will help you sleep every night, that is what customers are looking for. And once they get that brand that they can trust, they will become the loyal customer. So I think now as the market shifts to adult use and so many new users are coming into the market, brands are becoming more and more important. Um, I think brands that are sp very specific into their who is their um, target market and what they can do for that target market will be very successful in this market. Now for us as a, again, a small business, one store, um, we have a very successful retail store and we have um, followers and loyalty, but we all know that retail stores can be squeezed out by the big guys, right? The Walmart of whatever our industry, Walmart's going to be. And when you have that in mind, you have to remember that at some point there's going to be a race to the bottom. And for me as a single store, it's going to be harder to compete at that level. So being able to develop brands, which is, by the way, what I love to do, um, and get them into the gorilla's shelf is how we can survive as a small business. So there's a, a demand in the market. I think it would really help um, consumers to understand what they need and how they can continue getting the same effect from the same brand, that brand loyalty. But also as a small business, this is how we can somehow very on a small scale be able to compete in this market that has a lot of big chains 
I think that's a, a really good point and, and sort of tease up uh, you know, this sort of summary question that, I, that I've been asking guests on the podcast so far. You know, as we look ahead to Cannabis Conference, a lot of what we're going to be talking about at the show is, is this sort of uh, long view of the industry, some advice for business owners looking to compete and, and, uh, and thrive, but also the short view, of course. I mean, things change pretty quickly around here. Um, but for attendees who are going to be in that session about the transition from medical to adult use, you know, what are you hoping that they can take away from that session and, and bring back to their business after the conference? Um, you know, I think what I tell people now, and I'm hoping that this session is going to really explain that, is it's not smooth. And the one thing, you know, I, I say that the industry hashtag is it's never boring and you have to kind of take it this way. So as much as we thought we're getting ready for adult use, Arizona surprised us with the 60 day timeline. So we were not ready. But instead of beating ourselves up, we just see it as a, a bump in the road and we have to laugh at it and we have to remind ourselves that this is part of this industry and, you know, if you take it this way and you do everything you can to go over the hump, you'll become, you know, stronger on the other side. So I think for people that are getting ready for the switch, know that there's going to be surprises, right? In this market with everything costing more, um, what you planned on a year ago is not what's happening today. Um, construction is taking longer, lumber issues. There's so many things that are thrown at us, um, but you have to keep reminding yourself that this is just a blimp in a timeline. <laughs> and as long as you are focused and passionate about what you do, you'll get over it. And you're going to be on the other side, very happy and um, successful. Excellent. Well, I certainly agree just based on uh, your story. And of course, we're eager to pick up this conversation uh, in Vegas. Uh, we've got the August 24th session. That's day one, of course, uh, where you'll be talking about this and much more. So we're very excited to have uh, the whole crowd out there and, and certainly thrilled to have you aboard for that session. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be there. And that will wrap this week's episode of Beyond the Show. That's episode four. We're starting to get our footing here. So really hope you appreciated that conversation with Lilac Mazor Power. She is the uh, founder and CEO of Giving Tree Dispensary in Arizona. And we're going to be picking up that conversation again out in Las Vegas next month, August 24th to the 26th. Lilac's panel, Expand Your Medical Dispensary to Adult Use, is going to be on day one, August 24th. So you can gather all the registration information you need at CannabisConference.com, read more about Lilac and all the other speakers there, and stay tuned for future episodes of Beyond the Show, where many of those speakers will be joining me on the air. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.